0: Cool. Hello and welcome to. Do you know what I wanted to do? A new start. How should we start the podcast? Bonjour. <laughs> bonjour. But bonjour. I can't speak. <clears throat> I don't speak
1: any French. I, I I speak it badly. I can say bonjour in Paris. That's about it.
0: <laughs> Paris.
1: Technically French.
0: That's technically French. La Paquette. La baguette, grassy arse.
1: What is it? La, disc, la discothèque and la bibliothèque are the two other things that you remember from. Oh,
0: I see what you were doing in Sp- Spain? France. <laughs> okay, so we still don't have a welcome. Maybe I should just say hi. Hi. This is a Q&A episode of ESG Fitness Podcast featuring Andy. Hello Andy, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How about
0: yourself? I am very well, thank you. But enough niceties, because we have so many questions to get through today.
1: Let's do it.
0: Um, Okay, so first one from check-ins from Andrea. She said she's lost two kilograms, which she's really happy about, but she's a bit confused because my body fat says that two weeks ago I was 25.7% body fat and today I'm 28% body fat. What in the hell is going on? She didn't say that last bit, but I've added it in. Um, That also came up on the question thread about how accurate these body fat um, measures are. So it's a good one to cover.
1: The body fat analysis stuff isn't very accurate. Um there are a number of reasons behind it things like you might be dehydrated you might have to had too much water you might have just eaten even like simple things like the the, the bits that you hold on to if they've not been cleaned properly they'll still retain sweat etc from other people and grease Ew. It, yeah it's, it's really pretty minging um, so the imp, like the actual impedance but the electrical impulse through it's p- potentially going to be dulled um so yeah it's not something i would really be something i would really get myself hung up too much on um if you can if you are doing your sort of progress shots regularly and you're seeing sort of different changes and you're seeing sort of bits you know potentially where for instance like certain blokes like love handles if they're getting smaller you're obviously starting to lose body fat so you know things like that are the sort of the the reasons or the, the ways i would look at it rather than an impa a bio impotence machine
0: Yeah, so the way that most of these machines work is like Andy's saying, it's bioelectrical impedance, so basically the current runs through your body. If you're more hydrated, it can alter the reading in many respects. So you'd have to be really, really anal about getting everything around it the same. So I I, um, did my own little experiment on one of them and basically did the exact same measure every morning for five mornings not having eaten or drunk anything, exact same clothing exact same everything as similar as you could possibly have it and I fluctuated by 5% Yeah,
1: there's it's...
0: absolutely no way, like I wasn't trying to lose body fat or gain body fat, I was just maintaining and there's no way now to give um, I guess the bioelectrical impedance machine it's used a little bit um they tend to work less well at each extreme so if you're obese or if you're you've got very low body fat they don't work as well now in between those as so like a sort of normal body fat range they can be fairly accurate or maybe not accurate but at least consistently inaccurate if you can get everything around it exactly the same so it has to be the same scales, the same time of day, the same clothing, the same hydration, the same nutrition. It's very, very hard to do. And equally, if you're seeing, like Andy's saying, progress in other markers, then it doesn't really make any sense to sort of put too much weight on that as a as a measure.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's like we we discussed last week about it's something that is out of your control. It's not something... If it's fluctuating all the time, there's obviously something happening with the machine. And also, I still don't think there's anything... I think... Is it the closest one that they've had is the one where you go into the... Is it, like, the the one where you get put into the water and it's, like, water displacement? I think that's no, the closest...
0: Dexa, you... scan is going to be the best thing.
1: Is that the best one? Well, actually,
0: it? the best thing is a cadaver, but then you would have to be dead. So that...
1: It's a bit so, extreme at work at your body fat. I mean, fat sure. do you know
0: what? If you were committed... No, i <laughs> um, Yeah, that's... I think people get... Emma,
1: Emma's not advising that one, just for anybody people who's... People get
0: it. so obsessed with knowing what their body fat is. I remember there was such a thing in fitness a while ago you'd like ask people... Like I get so many questions. What's your body fat percentage? I'm like, I don't know, nor do I particularly care. Like, yeah. I look lean. That's what I want. So yeah, That's it. Um, yeah, and... It, yeah so it's it's quite a crude measure i wouldn't use it we don't have you know you can use a DEXA scan that is fairly accurate uh, the problem with that is they're very expensive They you also wouldn't be allowed to do them probably frequently enough to get the data that you wanted so for example you would not be allowed to do them every two weeks because there's a slight radiation that comes with DEXA scans. so again it's a bit of an arbitrary measure um I would focus on other things and actually if your weight has come down by two kilograms there's not a chance in hell that given i know that what training you're doing and what your nutrition is like you've not lost two kilograms of muscle yeah exactly you you've probably lost 1.9 kilograms of fat and maybe one 0. 0.1 kilograms of sort of lean tissue or something else um so my point yeah. being is you have definitely lost body fat
1: uh, de- yeah one hundred percent i think um i think if you if you have everything in place that you' you're working with your program, you can kind sort of look at that as being as being an error on the machine's part so yeah
0: definitely right moving on okay we've got a question from Angela. In the winter, do we feel more hungry due to dark nights and cold weather? I remember discussing this with a colleague who is a science teacher a while back, and she said it was a scientific fact. Is this true, or was she making it up um, so that I'd feel better about eating more food? I mean, if she just said it was a fact and didn't explain why, come on. Anyway, yeah, uh... I, I saw a couple of
1: things. A couple of things that's more to do with behaviours about kind of like going back, to like animal stuff about like hibernating. So you start to stockpile a bit more. But I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how accurate that would be. But I think at that time of year, around about this time of year, there's more temptation because you go into any shop and you've got aisles and aisles of chocolate crisps food that you're going to be eating at christmas parties and things like that so the temptation is, is it's, it's there and it's in your face so you're going to notice more of it and you're probably going to go past and go oh i'll put that in my shopping basket without really thinking so it's going read...
0: straight in my basket
1: exactly reese's peanut butter cups always the best thing at christmas <laughs>
0: um, so your science teacher friend colleague was correct there is some evidence behind this. So for example, when you're cold, you will, um, well, you'll burn more energy to keep your body at its desired body temperature. So to keep your core body temperature up. So things like shivering, um, burn calories. So yes, you will probably be hungrier because of that as well, because you're burning more more energy. Um, the dark, And then in terms of for for example, for me in terms of motivation, like there for me, there's nothing less motivating than being cold. I absolutely despise being cold. So if it's cold and it's dark outside, there's no way I want to go outside and exercise or even go outside to do anything. Like I just want to stay in my bed. So I think there's a combination of things. A lot of it will be behavioural kind of the stuff that Andy's touched on. It's very easy just to, like, curl up on the sofa and eat as opposed to when it's nice sunny nights and you think, oh, I'll make the most of a nice night and go out for a walk or whatever. So it's definitely harder in the winter. You will probably be hungrier due to being colder, due to burning more energy, trying to maintain your um, body heat. And equally, there's a tiny bit of evidence. Well, it'd be a very small effect, but that you may the exposure to the cold may increase the amount of brown fat that you have and brown fat is termed the fat that burns fat but basically it has more mitochondria in which are you'll know from biology at school the powerhouse of the cell so they burn more energy and essentially the purpose of brown fat is to deliver more heat well maintain more heat so a lot of hibernating animals have higher levels of brown fat as babies we'd have higher levels of brown fat to keep us warm but now we have central heating and clothing and things like that we tend as we age or as we become adults to have less and less amounts of brown fat but exposure to the cold can stimulate slightly more brown fat which means you would be burning more calories that was a very long um (laughs) sentence basically because i didn't really breathe during the whole thing
1: uh,
0: you Whew. okay <laughs> i think we've covered that question um the second question is from becky but we've already covered it so how accurate are body fat machines in the gym Um, the ones that tell you your weight, hydration, muscle and fat yeah, not very accurate really, I would say that if you do want to use them, kind of like we've just said, just make sure everything is as similar as you possibly can Um, so next one, I've listened to two of your podcasts this morning, while in the gym and on my dog walk, episode 25 a letter to my younger self, oh this isn't a question (laughs) it just says They were great podcasts. (laughs) Thank you very much, Amanda. Uh, Okay, next one. What do you... uh, What to do when you are really hungry but eating all of your calories? For example, eating three main meals plus a snack and still hungry after dinner.
1: Um, I would look at... I would probably look at spacing your meals out. Maybe thinking about spacing your meals out better. Um, Maybe filling them better with vegetables so you've got more more volume of food, Um, little simple things like um, lower-calorie snacks. I think somebody mentioned in that that question things like 10-calorie jellies and things like that. So Mm -hmm. there's loads and loads of different ways you can do it. It's about finding what works for you. So whether that be spacing your meals out a little bit better, whether it be adding a couple of more lower-calorie snack options in, find what's going to suit into the lifestyle and then work it from there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I think it would be definitely a case of looking at your food choices and seeing if you can increase volume at at all so things like you can literally double the um, volume of your meal without adding very much extra calories if you just have like I'm obsessed at the moment with roast vegetables but also things like if you want to bulk stuff out but not add many calories, like iceberg lettuce is basically crunchy water.
1: So, yeah, salad just stuff like that. Whack
0: always... that in. Yeah, you can have a huge salad for very, very little calories, and that can definitely keep you more satiated. And then looking at protein. So, even if you've hit your 100 gram of protein target, having more protein is probably going to keep you fuller. So, maybe that'll be a consideration as well. Um, but apart from that, I would say you know you're you're only a couple of days in, and sometimes these things take a little bit of time to get used to. So I wouldn't initially think, oh my god, I'm hungry now, so I'm always going to be hungry. That's not the case. It just takes a little bit of time for your body to get used to things, yeah. and also your sort of habits of oh expecting to be hungry, what, because you you're on a diet. Like it's sometimes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, okay, so. Louise, I'm noticeably hungrier one week of the month. Is it hormonal related due to time of the month? I've always wondered if hunger, if the hunger is real and we can up calories that week or if it's phantom.
1: Um... I uh, we we cut was it last week we covered this one as well a little bit that people will have different ty- different there'll be different times of the month that people will start to get their sort of their cravings etc mm-hmm. unfortunately it doesn't mean that you get extra calories because you're it's just that's the, unfortunately the way it is um
0: well well hmm. technically well. <laughs> you will potentially burn between 50 and 100 more calories per day in the week leading up to your Period. Yeah, yeah so go. it people might notice that they're a bit hotter during that time, and it it's effectively just a sort of heat thing. So you're producing more heat, which is a byproduct of energy. um So you're burning you're burning more energy because you're a bit hotter. And again, like it, fifty to hundred calories, not really like it's not like you can just suddenly eat a hell of a lot more. But what it does mean is that you could allow yourself like. Something quite small <laughs> I don't know. You probably
1: put yourself in with like what? Oh, one a bite of bar. chocolate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoy have... that, okay? No, um, you could have like a small bag of Maltesers, maybe. Eighty-six
1: Six calories, calories. There you go.
0: Yeah. Boom. Sorted. Um, so no, the it's not a sort of phantom hunger. Like it is a real hunger. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that your body needs more calories. I think they're two sort of different questions there. Yeah. Um, the hunger is real. And if you, if you can really identify that it's one week a month as well, and that's the week that you tend to go off track with your diet or you really struggle with your diet, then maybe just allowing yourself some extra calories that week and then potentially being in a bit of a bigger deficit for the other three weeks. Yeah. All right, next question. Um, I'm away this weekend this is from Carol Uh, it's a fitness type uh, why can't I read it's a fitness retreat type of event the food will be pretty healthy I've started the plan so don't want to lose my way but I don't want to track also it would be hard to so how should I manage this supplementary question is travelling, airports, train stations there's always so much food I always feel the urge to eat it all
1: yeah, um something like a fitness retreat I would actually be very I wouldn't be surprised if they have calories and macros with the food that they're doing, if especially if it's a fitness retreat you're going on, cause obviously nutrition's biggest one of the bigger parts of the whole thing so but um I think once you start to once you start to get used to what you're seeing as like a meal and you start to be able to understand how many calories are in it. I think once you start logging more things and you're logging sort of longer term, you can start to kind of guesstimate what you reckon is probably going to be in a meal. So just play, just see what see what turns up. Don't take the second helping of whatever it is that you're that's on offer. Um, and as for the travelling, if anywhere like whether you're driving, you're driving somewhere, all these places now have better options. They all do salads. Like you, like you, look at Greg's. Greg's do salads. They do as along with their, their sausage rolls and stuff. You know, you've got any any amount of, um, sort of service stations that have got salad bars and stuff as well. So you can always make. A, there's always going to be an option there that you can that you can go to. Um, it's it's really now not even about having to think about it. It's just making the right decision. Yeah, yeah, you've got it's
0: less that oh my god, there's literally nothing I could eat that would fit in. It's okay, I have to make a good choice here. Like yeah. the choices are there, you just have to make them and we can't do that for you. You you have to do that yourself.
1: Exactly. That's it's just it's part it's part and parcel of the process. It's it's you making the decision for, for you. And that's pretty much how it how it's gonna work.
0: Yeah. And what what I would say about the fitness retreat or even in any situations where you can't really easily track your calories, do not stress about it. Just guesstimate it. It's, you know, one day or two days or a weekend out of six weeks or to be fair, it's a weekend out of the year or your life. Like your energy balance, the amount of extra energy that you carry or not as the case may be, basically your body fat levels are a representation of your energy intake and energy expenditure over time it does not matter you know i think you can get so anal in trying to track everything it doesn't matter what my fitness pal says to be honest if you're putting on weight you're not in a deficit i don't yeah. care if it says on my fitness pal you've eaten 800 calories you haven't or not consistently over time yeah so i think just as much as tracking is a brilliant tool it does frustrate me when people are like i'm so stressed i can't track yeah, well, do you know what the food that you do or don't track still has calories in? Yeah, still makes a it. good estimate about what you're eating. Yeah,
1: because the the post that you put up was it yesterday? You put the post up about um, was it yesterday? You put a post up about tracking stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's like like little simple things like when you're setting up my fitness pal. My fitness pal sets itself up um, pretty pretty poorly. To be fair, yeah. the calories it originally gives you are pretty pretty dog crap. Uh, but it also will enable step tracking which gives you extra calories and if you log your exercise it will also give you extra calories which as coaches we don't want to we, you've not been given those um calories by us
0: well My exactly like I've, given you, so. i have accounted for the amount of exercise and steps that you're doing in the energy target i've given you in your calorie target already so if you then add on more calories to that kind of messes things up a little bit yeah
1: um,
0: so yeah we don't we don't want to be doing that
1: exactly yeah but it's yeah it's um yeah you know you depend that you know you've got all types of people a lot of people get really anal about tracking and i think it's just about being able to just tell them look just just relax a little bit don't like if you if you're stressing about tracking calories it, What's going to happen when you get thrown off the road when something happens at work or something else happens? Like it's all going to go, all going to go wrong. So just relax a little bit. Don't stress. Don't stress too much.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And also remember that, you know, people lost weight before my fitness pal, or people maintained their weight before my fitness pal.
1: Yeah, it's, it's as you say. It's all it is is a tool to help you. It's not the be all and end all. Because there are quite a lot of foods in there that are probably um, are, are sort of mismarked and stuff mm-hmm. as well. So you know, it's I, it's. In it's, fact, I
0: think it was Catherine that put in another group we were in once, and it was like, um, what was it? Grapes at Marks and Spencers kept coming up as like a cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but like all it's... these things, like there's yeah, there's definitely inaccuracies in all of it and even sometimes actually if you look at the back of a package of something and it will say like x amount of carbs, x amount of fat, x amount of protein if you add them up as in 1 gram of carbs equals 4 calories 1 gram of protein equals 4 calories 1 gram of fat equals 9 calories and add it all up it doesn't even meet the calorie um, target that they've said it is or like the calorie count that they've said it is. so take it all with a bit of a pinch of salt yeah um be consistent and monitor and adapt from there, so do you know what if if you say that you're tracking everything really accurately but you're not losing weight, the problem isn't you know, like it doesn't really matter the 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 fact is we know you're not in a deficit if you're not losing weight over time now, yes. my emphasis here being over time, so don't lose weight in a week. I'm not surprised there could be various things that are. Masking fat loss on the scales over a week. We know about that. Things like water retention for various reasons. Hormonal, salt intake, when you weighed yourself, food volume, etc, etc, etc. Yeah. But over time, if you are not losing weight, then you're not in a deficit. Exactly. All right, next question from Karen. How does breastfeeding affect calorie intake? As in, how and why did you adjust my calories to take into the account? It take into account the fact I was breastfeeding, for no reason. Then I'm just curious and like to know the why behind everything. Oh shoot! You go for it. Oh yeah, because I did this. Um, <laughs> well, I said as well that you've come to the right place because we love to discuss these questions yeah. and the why behind things. So basically, you need a bit more calories while you're breastfeeding. Um, the Priority for me, well, not just for me, but for anyone who is breastfeeding, but me as a coach, is that your quality, your milk quality stays high. To be quite honest, that is my priority with anyone who is breastfeeding. If that means that you lose fat slower or that you just maintain your weight and don't lose fat at all, that is what I'm going to go for. Now, in yep. your case, I know because you're already or you're son or daughter is already on solid foods as well, it's kind of or the, I guess they're, they're eating a bit more as well, There's, it's less of a priority, so we can put you in a bit of a deficit, but if milk quality went down then we'd just bring your calories back up and really you know, it's quite a small period of time, obviously the, the sole focus is your child and making sure they get the best um, nutrition they possibly can, so you're not going to do anything that would negatively affect that
1: yeah that's That's it the bigger picture picture.
0: exactly and also yeah exactly it's going to be what a couple of months breastfeeding then you can be in it well maybe not as big a deficit as you like but then we could go a bit more extreme on the deficit if we wanted to um yeah when it's just your nutrition that we have to focus on we're really focusing on your nutrition and your baby's nutrition that's a bigger priority than just you losing a bit of body fat so essentially, long story short, you, you're you in a slightly smaller deficit than I might have had you in if I if you weren't breastfeeding. Sure. <clears throat> okay, so here's a question from Laura Burns, which is on another link. Hold on, I'm just pressing it. Oh, no, no. Okay, whatever. We're at it. So she says, I'm loving the workouts and planning. Um she wants to learn new exercises and tips for maximum gains but in order for me to learn it would be great to understand how you put these programs together and how you progress them throughout the weeks do you want to talk about like progression of training yeah so I think a lot of that depends
1: on the coach themselves how they'll progress things so you get a lot of people for instance if I'm working with somebody and we're trying to to build some muscle i'll generally start them with a sort of um, a strength phase so i'll get them lifting slightly heavier slightly less reps and we'll start to build things in there it's about sort of linking everything together but also for, for a session for me a session needs to flow so like if a session you're randomly going from like one side of the gym to like a different floor it can Kind of for me personally, that really upsets my 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 gym function As well, yeah, my gym flow as it would go. So a session for me needs to flow quite nicely. So it's going to have a natural progression through the body part that you're working or whatever it is that you're doing. So putting things together, um, really to make sense more than anything else. I think it's I think that's the big one. You see, you see so many people ra- randomly just doing random stuff in the gym and you're sitting going well what are you what are you what's what's the what's the goal at the end of it what's your aim because yeah. you're going from doing rear delts to go and then do calves and you're going right okay but then you go from that to then go doing abs so i don't really what what's 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 the methodology behind it and those people are the ones that you don't see making the progress are the ones that constantly are complaining about the fact that they don't see any progress 'Cause there's no like there's no routine and there's no um there's no structure to their sessions.
0: hmm I think one of the biggest things and one of the best things about the app as well is that you can look back and see what you lifted the last week. Yeah. Which means that you can then progress. And we know that progressive overload or in a sort of the normal way to say that would just be trying to lift more each session yeah. um is really important to making improvements. Now you can get really sort of technical, like all the science behind all this and how your muscles work and how your muscles grow and the certain stress that is required on muscles to create hypertrophy and that honestly in my opinion a lot of it is down to almost making things more complicated than they need to be, so you could look down the route of right, okay there's three main drivers to hypertrophy, you've got mechanical tension on the muscle, you've got um muscle damage you've got uh metabolic stresses and you can get all technical into like right how do you create mechanical load how do you create this muscle damage what's the best way to do that what is the best way to optimize me- um, metabolic stress etc cetera, etc cetera. to be quite honest <laughs> like most training sessions will do that and if you're lifting to failure there's often benefits to that as well but you can get really technical. Oh, you need to lift to failure to recruit as much motor units as possible. And these are high end motor units that are only recruited at blah, blah, blah. Like you can go really, really sciencey. And then when you're like, right, okay, I've read all of this. What are the take home points from this? Okay, I want to lift fairly heavy. I want to lift to failure at least a few times because I want to maximally stimulate my muscle. Um, I want to work the muscle in various different ways so that I'm not only just creating um, mechanical tension from lifting weights but I'm also creating a bit of muscle damage that might be if you want to optimize that that might be a bit more eccentric loading and I want to create metabolic stress and you do that by I don't know, something like the finishes that are in our programs so basically like I've, I've nailed all those in our programs obviously but you it's, don't, it's, it's about keeping things to... simple I think. yeah with... exactly you don't need to go into all of that so like actually any programs probably going to hit most of those things and yeah, equally it's... you can't do you can't really hit any of those in isolation yeah if, like when you create me- mechanical tension you will be creating uh, damage to the muscle which is yeah. one of the stimuli- one of the reasons that muscles grow and adapt so they repair and adapt to that and you will be creating metabolic stress. So by metabolic stress, I just mean metabolites like lactate, um, creatine. or yeah, yeah, exactly. So you'll
1: always, you'll always, you'll like, there's always a certain percentage of clients that you work with that want to know the intricate details of how things work. And that's great. And I'm, we're always more than happy to sort of cover that for them. But generally, 95% of clients just need simple cues and shown how to do it properly like, you know, one of my clients is, uh, he's an engineer, road engineer, loves to know the intricate details. However, I've got 95% of my clients just need to know in a squat at the top, squeeze your arse. That's yeah, all yes. you need to know. All you need to know is squeeze your backside, nothing else. And it's... its
0: Yes, but like, do you think I'm using more of my glute med?
1: Yeah, oh. and that's, I think that's it. Though. Like, if you've got like, I remember when training, and I was overhearing a personal trainer talking to talking at their client, and it must have been like a consultation session, and the the, the client was looking bewildered because they were talking so far above their head that the guy, the guy was just looking at him and going, Yeah, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, uh huh, okay. And then left. And I was like, he will never be back because he doesn't understand the thing you've said that you've shot over the top.
0: Yeah, yes or no. So I think a lot of trainers do this almost to be like, this is so complicated. You'd never be able to make any progress without me. Let me tell you all this science that, yeah.
1: It's an ego boost for yourself. It's like um, there was somebody that I follow on social media. I can't remember who it was. um, But they, they put up a thing saying that people write content to aim to get a back scratch off their peers not off the people who they're supposed to be aiming the content at Mm -hmm. so the content that we do is aimed at our clients and the people that potentially could work with us not at the people who i've learned from because they're not going to pay me to coach them
0: yeah i think that's a huge thing with social media at the moment it's like oh let's see how many likes i can get from other personal trainers and stuff you're you're, you're doing it
1: you're doing it to satisfy your your um, your brain boner, as probably I would class it. Like that's all. That's all you're doing it for. You're doing it for a, an ego trip for yourself. If your clients and the people that you're trying to involve with what you don't understand it, they're going to switch off instantly. That's them gone. You've you you lost it. So you need to be able to tap into how somebody thinks and understand if it's what level they need to listen at, and it's work working from there.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, actually, I had another interesting little discussion with someone the other day, and they were talking about how eating later at night affects your sleep quality and that it should be avoided. And then someone had said, isn't there um, evidence to support taking protein later at night to, um, I guess, to reduce the amount of time you spend fasting? Mm. and that actually because there is some evidence that 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 does improve protein balance um, and whether that results in actual increased muscle mass is a bit debatable but there is the potential that that could result in that so they were sort of saying no no that would be ridiculous because the impact on your sleep quality would be far higher than the benefit of taking uh, protein close to bed because you won't sleep as well, and actually sleep is more anabolic than taking this protein shake or whatever. Yeah, and I guess like my my point was just that aren't both of these things so minutiae Like I would say in my head, like actually the the tiny effect that maybe sleep, eating later at night is going to have on your sleep quality is about equal to the tiny effect that having a protein shake before you go to bed is going to impact your muscle recovery or muscle growth
1: it doesn't matter fight <laughs> what works for you if yeah. you're finishing at 10 o'clock at night you eat at half 10 and then you're going to bed at 11 o'clock if it fits into how you live your life work just work make it work like I also remember reading something up quite a few years ago, actually, that having carbs closer to bed obviously made you more sluggish and lethargic and actually could probably help you get to sleep.
0: Yeah, but that's true that's as well. That's no what story. I said to him as well, isn't there um, some evidence that actually having carbohydrates later in the evening helps you sleep?
1: Yeah, and I think it's, if you, I, I can understand that. If you go and stuff yourself full of food, you're going to be uncomfortable going to sleep. Like I went to Fazenda, which if nobody knows what Fazenda is, it's a a pretty much all-you-can-eat Brazilian barbecue on Friday night, and I ate probably three cows worth of steak, and I'll be honest, my sleep on Friday night wasn't great, but it's because I had the meat sweats, so my body was working at about 9 billion degrees to try and help get rid of the protein and also them just the amount of food was uncomfortable so it's you know you've got to remember there's everybody's that everybody's different some people won't want to eat closer to bed some people will want to eat closer to bed and for some people it's not an option they have to eat closer to bed because it's the only time they've actually got maybe from finishing work to getting to bed so it's make it work for you
0: yeah and i think to, like check yourself do you know what if you're someone who eats late at night and finds they really struggle with their sleep then maybe try not eating late at night and see if that benefits and if it does then okay don't eat
1: late at night yeah try and test it it's you know nothing's going to work for every single person but if it works for you stick with it you know simple as
0: but equally what i find an issue with these sort of sleep trackers and things is people who don't have any trouble sleeping then they start tracking their sleep and realizing oh my god this watch says that I've not had any REM sleep or blah 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 and you're like have you ever had a problem sleeping like do you feel no but this watch is now telling me I do oh my god like your body knows more than the bloody watch uh,
1: yeah I can see what like I um quarter half past 10 out like a light half past five up like a button and I remember doing that, sticking, I had it on my, you know the one that they had on the iPhone? Yeah. And I remember sticking it and, like, it looked like I'd had no sleep during the night. I sleep, like, you could pretty much tap dance on my head, I will not wake up. Like, and if I have to get up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, as soon as my head's hit the pillow again, it's out, I'm gone, like, I'm sleeping. But apparently when my sleep was awful and I'm sitting going, I feel fine, I'm recovering fine, my training's going well, like, everything's everything's as if i'm sleeping well so to then start freaking well andy you're wrong i'm yeah exactly but i'm not that i'm not that kind of person that freaks out about that stuff i went well that's a pile of horse crap i'll no bother <laughs> using i'm not bother using that anymore because it's it's from what i'm what i'm feeling myself i'm feeling great so yeah.
0: yeah and i think there's often the way like even if you are someone who struggles with sleep and then you start tracking your sleep you it's often worse because you're then stressing about the fact you're not sleeping you've just put pressure on yourself by looking
1: at it and then you
0: can't sleep because you're stressing about the fact that you're not sleeping it's a vicious cycle exactly which leads on nicely to our next question from olivia when you're a chronically bad sleeper and frequently get three or four nights in a row with less than five hours sleep how do you balance if you would be better served skipping a workout or getting more sleep versus just powering through and being groggy should the workout always win
1: um again totally down to the person it's similarly to you when i work i've got a couple of guys that i work with that play a pretty high level sport and i like to use the traffic light system so if they're more than 75 percent recovered green light full session between 50 and 75% we might drop the intensity a little bit
0: but how do you know if they're 75% recovered
1: they they do it themselves it's about how they feel if they oh, feel right. if they feel if they're feeling like especially like now with them playing rugby they're now at the case stage where they're doing a contact session once a week and they're playing a full game on a saturday so a lot of it's just about keeping them moving keeping them going and stuff so they make the decision themselves you know, and I'm pretty happy with the guys I work with because I know that they're not going to shirk out. If there are 75%, they will do a green light session. If they are genuinely feeling like crap, they will do a red session, which is generally just relax, a bit of mobility, some stretching and stuff. Um, maybe like a light jog, something like that. But, yeah, it's. I would always suggest that it's to do with how you feel. Um, I've had times when I've had short amount of sleep, but I'll go and train anyway and I feel great when I'm training, but it's it's really just dependent on the person for as what I would look at.
0: Honestly, in this situation, I would probably say get up and go train, just because like if this is a frequent thing, actually, what are you going to get from another hour of not really sleeping very well in bed? You may as well get up, yeah. get at it. You will feel better after the session, and actually, exercise normally gives you energy rather than takes it away, and I think that's something that a lot of people are a bit like oh well if if I'm tired now if I train I'll be even worse no you won't watch yourself skip out of that gym after you've finished a morning workout like it will give you energy
1: exactly you'll start bout you'll bounce after it. endorphins are released you're already you're, you're awake and you're ready to go the things that you would probably look to look at with people who have bad sleep is what are you doing around about it are you taking caffeine too close to bed and um, are you training too close to bed that's another reason that people like if i if I'm finishing playing football at quarter to ten, I'll probably not fall asleep until m- like half past midnight because I'm buzzing afterwards and I'm that analytical person that I'll think about the whole game through my head. Even if it's seven of size, it's just it's random as. But things like how much, if you're taking any stimulants with a caffeine, things like that, too close to bed. Um,
0: Do you know what's interesting you know, the- about caffeine? There was a study that showed that people who drink caffeine later at night have better sleep.
1: And you know what I would I would, I would go with that like, I, do you I know did...
0: why that was why because people who drink caffeine late at night don't have problems with sleep like if you knew that you struggled with sleep you wouldn't drink caffeine late at night uh, so it's just another way that like it, I, I like to use it as an example of why you shouldn't just look at the results of studies and just take conclusions from that because you know caffeine late at night will keep you awake but if you're someone who can really handle caffeine very well and can fall asleep anyway or it doesn't have a big impact on them,
1: yeah.
0: then you are more likely to habitually drink it later at night. I'll, right? I'll, so it I'll makes du- sense. Double, but... down on,
1: double down on that one. I'll I'll take two scoops of pre-workout and then go train, finish training at half past nine and I'll be sleeping by half past ten. Mm-hmm. Mine was more a lot to do with like when I did the Doors, it was like you pretty much drank Red Bull all night and then by the time you got home straight away, straight to sleep. So. And as I say, never had any problems with sleeping. So that makes a lot of
0: sense. Mm. Um, so yeah, when it comes to sleep, I think a lot of people, I've had this question before and it's kind of like, oh, would I be better staying in bed or would I be better going to the gym? And do you know what? Honestly, get to bed earlier. Like it's not a one or the other. Like, oh, would I be better sticking to my calorie or go- going to work out? Do both. Mm. Like I realise, well, it's, it's... you know, when you have sleep problems, it's not that easy. But as, you, as you, you said,
1: if you wake up at five a.m. and all you're doing is for the next two and a half hours is sitting awake in bed, go up and go to the gym. Mm. You've got two and a half hours of doing something, so you better off to just go to the gym and you've got a training session underway. And the potential is is that you'll feel great after it. As you said, you know you you'll feel bounced. You'll come out of the gym bouncing. Was that not a better reason rather than having two hours of moping going? Oh, I never slept. I'm so just pissed off that I didn't sleep up and change that change the change the mindset
0: on it and if the difference is an hour you're probably not going to feel that much better after an extra hour of sleep in the morning you might feel a bit better after an extra hour of sleep in the night so maybe go to bed earlier if you can um there's loads and loads of things you can try and i'm sure if if you are a chronically bad sleeper as you said that you are like you've already tried these things before but just the simple things like reading at night as opposed to looking at a screen Um, putting your phone outside your room the thing that actually a tip that I thought was really useful is that if you can't sleep get out of your bed go and do something and then go back to your bed because I think what happens is that your bed should be a place you sleep and if you're sitting in there wide awake playing on your phone playing on your laptop like or doing whatever like it should be a place for sleeping not your brain to be awake and if your brain starts thinking oh bed's just another place where we're awake then that's not a good thing it needs to be this sort of habitual thing of like when we're in bed we sleep so if you can't sleep for more than half an hour get up go to another room and then come back when you're tired
1: it's just it's like it's like your safe space it's like how dogs use things like as much as people hate oh you can't create train a dog well no you can because it's a safe space for the dog the dog knows that that's where it goes to sleep, to relax. Mm-hmm. If, it's feeling, if it's feeling a bit stressed, it'll go there. So if you're stressed, the last thing you want to do is and you're worrying about sleeping and you're awake, Does it makes sense not to go to bed because you're going to put two and two together and that's going to be the constant thought when you're in bed. Oh, I'm never going to sleep. I'm never going to sleep. You better go and do that elsewhere.
0: So. Exactly. So question from Jane. Should we be taking vitamins?
1: Um, if you're getting enough vegetables and fruit in through your diet um, I would suggest that you probably don't need to um, but if you're constantly getting colds and sniffles and stuff like that um, you probably still just need to up your fruit and veg intake to be fair yeah. um, that's all it is um, We I remember you had this discussion you had put this up recently about the fact that, is that fish oil and vitamin D are the only two things that you really take
0: yeah, I I used to take a multivitamin just kind of on the like, oh, it'll do no harm. But
1: cover all bases kind of thoughts. Yeah.
0: I don't know how I feel about it. There's actually quite a lot of evidence to show that it, that it doesn't benefit at all.
1: Apart from you peeing like Shrek, that's <laughs> about all that that's about the only thing that I've noticed. Like I was the same as you. I used to regularly take a multivitamin. I've never been one for getting and feeling crappy. I've always been pretty good at like Sticking like staying away from colds and flus and stuff, but took multivitamin out. Never noticed any difference. I'm still not getting them. I'm still everything's still ticking over nicely. So, um, but for me, uh, vitamin vitamin D and uh, fish oil, and actually for sleep, I occasionally use melatonin,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: to help sleep. That's something that unfortunately you can't get across a counter in the UK, but you can order in from America and it's something that you i think the doctors can actually prescribe it for yeah, you they can. if you struggle with sleep
0: that so, might be something worth asking your doctor for
1: yeah either that or you can you can get it so, on there's a a website uh, it's a a herbal website across america and they do loads of different deals in it and it's pretty good stuff that's what i've been using recently if i struggle after like sport to, or the gym to get to bed
0: and that just um slightly alters your circadian rhythm taking yep. melatonin. So you, yep. uh, also make sure you take it at the right time and the right dose because otherwise it would have the opposite effect.
1: <laughs> yes, not a, not a, not probably not going to be a fun experience if you take it at the wrong time, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um yeah, so vitamin. yeah, in terms of taking vitamins, like ideally get everything from your diet. They they're absorbed much better from your diet. You also then won't overdose on anything either. What I would suggest taking is vitamin D, especially now that we're getting minimal, if any, sun exposure. Um, and a fish oil, especially if you are not having any oily fish in your diet. The other or thing old like me. Oh yeah, or <laughs> old. Um the other thing I would say is that would be the case if you are not vegan or vegetarian if you are then taking b12 as well is going to be a benefit and i'd also although not a vitamin i'd probably supplement with creatine if i was not having any animal source
1: yeah, because there's, there's obviously a lot of the, so the, the research behind creatines obviously helps things like your brain function, your cognitive function, et cetera, too. So, you know, it's a pretty useful and it's obviously one of the most um, researched supplements on the market. So,
0: Very true. And then the last question is from Anna and she says, possibly something for the podcast. Do you have any thoughts on taking inositol? Inositol? For PCOS slash irregular periods, my periods have stopped since being in a deficit at 1600 calories and intermittent fasting over the past three months. What I'm going to say to this is go and see your GP now and speak to them about that. That is not a good sign. Um, I don't know anything about that drug that I think you're talking about. But also, this is not something I think should be made really clear that you should be taking advice from someone on the internet for like definitely go and see your GP and speak to them about that and if we have to make any changes to your diet feel free to message me privately and we can do that but yeah that's something that you shouldn't ignore so go and see your GP see what they think um, yeah 100% 100%, something like
1: that, that you've got to you've got to speak to the right professionals for it and it's about you know what we do we outsource if we can't answer that question yeah exactly I, and even if
0: care. I could answer it like you, you should still go see your GP
1: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely
0: and even if you find someone on the internet who says that they help people with you know who struggle with irregular periods or have PCOS still go see your GP
1: yeah there's a reason that they've done however many years at medical school and yeah. uh, it's generally because they're they're pretty clued up on what they're doing
0: exactly right wow we managed to get through all of those questions
1: impressive going
0: i know what have you got on today
1: um not too much actually i've got a pretty quiet day i've got a bit of content that i need to write um just for social media stuff um but apart from that not much else i'll probably go and train had um three clients this morning and that's about it so yeah not too bad how about yourself what you got on? i saw you were getting your you were getting your culture in earlier on
0: yes i went for a lovely coffee and then We went to the gift shop and there was this book. Oh, God, who's it by? It's like this feminist woman. But the quotes in it are so funny. Also, another person who has hilarious quotes is Coco Chanel, if anyone is bored and wants to look up quotes. But (laughs) one of the quotes in this was that, I find Americans completely lack sensibility and good taste. They are boring and they all have faces like unbaked rolls
1: kind of describes donald trump quite well of that, doesn't it
0: yeah i mean also this book is inspirational quotes
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's uh, extremely inspirational
0: <laughs> yeah al- wow. also i'd like to this one take a lover who looks at you like maybe you are a bourbon biscuit that's deep <laughs> <laughs> it's all I could really hope for from a partner to be honest that is That is. That is, is that Coco Chanel as well? No, these aren't Coco Chanel Coco Chanel's so are pretty good just different, just different quotes no, these are from, um. what's her name Frida it looks at you like a, one of, a, a,
1: a, I just, that's yeah. that's probably one of the best quotes I think I've heard
0: it's it's a golden
1: quote but what happens <laughs> if you don't like bourbon bourbon, biscuit, um, bourbon biscuits I know and I look at them like a penguin or a Kit Kat. Does that work as well? I'd hope so.
0: Yeah. What is your favourite <laughs> biscuit? I don't
1: really do biscuits, to be fair. No, if like if I'm got something on my mind, that's generally savoury. Like I'm my, mm. my all-time favourite is or like properly going back to childhood is a crisp butty. A nice soft what, row, Just a
0: sandwich with crisps in it. A
1: nice soft roll with some salted butter and prawn cocktail crisps. Prawn
0: cocktail. Oh,
1: don't. Unless you've tried it, don't mock it. Shite bag if you didn't. Shite bag if you didn't. <laughs> nah, crisp buddies.
0: Oh, I've got an exercise for you to try, and you're shite bag Shite bag if one does not. If you don't do it. What is it? I'll. Is this I'll your, is you this your burp?
1: Is this is your burpee tennis ball thing?
0: what burpee wimbledon that's going to take what? on okay. is that going to be a new sport yeah
1: so we're going to have crossfit it, you, and burpee, it in burpee the wimbledon Olympics. beside it. nice yeah nice is um, it going to get is it going to be violence in it like i can chuck the tennis ball at the person no, well now
0: i think it's more like burpee squash to be honest um, is how it's going to work yeah
1: that's in the pipeline
0: yeah you heard Can't it here be. first. That's copyrighted. Please steal my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> right. We shall end now. Thank you very much Sorry. for listening. Thank you, Andy, for your time and your wisdom. And no we will worries. be back next week with many, many more questions.
1: Yes.